It was one of the most breathtaking and beautiful things that I have ever seen. Aside from Lisa walking down the aisle when we got married, there's a couple other things on, on the list. I was in the Rocky Mountains <clears throat> at a conference, and one of the evenings we ventured off to the highest elevated fondue restaurant in the world. <laughs> to get to this particular restaurant, you had to go up the ski gondola. And you get to the top of the first mountain and you get off there and you get on another one that takes you down the backside of the mountain and then way up to the top of another. And there's a couple little restaurants and buildings that are nestled in up at the top. It was evening time and so the sun was beginning to wane in the sky and the glow on the mountain peaks was absolutely stunning. So I'm riding on this gondola and I'm looking out. I just can't take my eyes off of the scenery, but I, I happen to notice that there are several people who were like this. And this was not a short ride to the top and then down the other side and, and back up. I think it took over a half an hour to get to where we were going. And it seemed like the entire time. I, I, I couldn't believe it. We had a similar experience. We were down in the uh, visiting the Grand Canyon a few years ago, and there is a shuttle bus that can take you along the rim of the canyon, and it takes you out to a place called Hermit's Rest, and we were riding that shuttle, and it's, it's not that far from the edge, and you can see down into that beautifully painted canyon, and once in a while along the journey, you could actually see the river way at the bottom. I looked around, and there were a few people just totally ignoring the scenery. And I, I just couldn't believe it. Well, we got to the top, and we got off the gondola, and, and I noticed that the people who had their noses buried in their cell phone had a uniform on. They were employees. And they were taking the ride to get to work. At the end of the shuttle bus ride, there were a couple people who just got off and they scurried into the building that they were assigned to and, and they began work. And it occurred to me the breathtaking, beautiful scenery no longer mattered as much because they had grown so accustomed to seeing it day after day after day kind of lost its luster to them. I think that this can happen to us in all sorts of different ways. Can't it? We, we just grow accustomed to things and we begin to take stuff for granted. There's a Jesuit poet, his name is Gerard Manley Hopkins, He's intrigued by the thisness, the thisness of things. 
He believed we must enter deeply into what is before us. This day. This person. This nature. So often, he says, we are absent psychologically and spiritually to what is right in front of our nose that we miss so much of life. You know, this is not the easiest of days to preach a message. Because you all come in carrying some sort of expectation. Um, Every once in a while at Easter time, one of you tells me, now remember, Dave, this is Super Bowl Sunday. (laughs) Well, if that's Super Bowl Sunday, maybe this is the Pro Bowl. I don't don't know. But um, I think we get to this day and the stories that we tell, the, the passages that we read out of the Bible all go back to the same narratives of Jesus' arrival on planet Earth. And because we know the story, because we hear them year after year after year, because we open our greeting cards and we have excerpts from these passages written out, My guess is once in a while, maybe we just grow a little bit too accustomed to hearing the story and we begin to miss a little bit of it. If we're not careful, we get distracted by all sorts of other things that come along with the season. And sometimes maybe we just miss the real meaning. As we've been traveling through December this year, through Advent to this particular moment in time, we have been going along the theme of simply Christmas. Asking the question, what if Christmas looked a lot more like Jesus? If you look around out in our culture, um, Christmas, Christmas has just developed all of these layers of stuff. None of them bad in and of themselves, but terribly distracting to what the real message of the season is. So we've been talking about peace and joy and hope, and for as many people that I've talked to, every single person has said, man, I wish I, wish I had more joy. Man, it'd be really nice if, if we had a glimpse of what peace might look like. There's so many things that are horrible that are going on in the world. It'd be nice if there was something that that we could hope in. And we get to this point, and we have to say the answer to all of those things is simply Jesus. The culture will tell us that we can find peace and joy and hope and love in, in all sorts of different ways, and I know us, we do our best to go off and find out if they're true or not. But I wonder if we sit and we stare at the manger long enough, do we, do we take the time that's needed to just step back and stare at the gift that God has 
given us. It's an incredible gift given to us by our Creator, but I wonder if we pause long enough to recognize it when, when we see it. Do we contemplate Jesus' arrival? Do we really think about all of the circumstances that came together for him to be born in that small little burg of Bethlehem to an unwed teenage mother? Do we consider really how God comes to us in very humble sorts of ways? Do we really think and, and realize that, that he was willing to leave his heavenly throne to come down here and get messy and walk around in the dirt and the dust and the mire of, of our lives? Does it, really, does it really register with us? It's been my question. Sure, I know we say, well, Jesus is the reason for the season. But do we rush, do we say that because we think we're supposed to say that and just move on by to get to the parties and the holiday treats and all of the surprises that are awaiting? We have been given a Savior. Isaiah, long before Jesus was born, he describes the Messiah and what he would mean to his, to his people. Uh, in a song of praise, I, Isaiah thanks God for what he will do uh, in the future because of his faithfulness of what he has done in the past. Isaiah writes, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Historically speaking, the people that Isaiah was writing to they were in trouble. The world was, a, was dark for them. It was filled with strife and war and economic hard times, and there was an impending exile that Isaiah kept telling them about because of their disobedience against God. Isaiah says it was like they were walking in total darkness. I think once in a while maybe we feel like we're walking in the dark just kind of stumbling around through life, trying to figure it out, not feeling like we have everything in line or everything in order. Maybe our life just feels a little bit out of tune and there's this discord and this dissonance between us and God and maybe other people. And we seek security, we seek peace, we seek this hope and we long for it because we live in a world that's manifestly insecure one that's marred by terror and war and poverty and tsunamis and is riddled by anguishing events of, of growing older and, and all of the, you know, the health things that come along with us and, and eventually death. We deal with all of those things and sometimes it just presses in on us and it, and it feels a little heavy and it feels a little bit dark. And when we feel that way, we often look to things to rescue us that the world, the world says would help. So we look to 
figures of authority and of power and, and leaders, and uh, we look for the way out uh, for, from people who we believe might be able to rescue us. Or if we don't think that we can find help in another person, well, maybe we just do it the old-fashioned way and we pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and we just grit our teeth and try and grin and bear it and just work a little bit harder. Or maybe we try and accumulate wealth and stuff and you know, go with the consumer mindset and if we just accumulate enough stuff all around us, we'll have enough insulation to help us get through the hard and the difficult times. But this is the season, this is the day, one of the days that we are maybe reminded most that our true hope, our true security, our true peace comes to us as a free gift from God. In the birth of Jesus, we have seen a great light. In the darkness, you may feel uh, walking through this world, I would say let Jesus be the lamp that lights your way. When Lisa and I were on our honeymoon, we stopped at Mammoth Cave in Kentucky. And if you've ever been in a cave, if you, you know that if you don't have a flashlight, you're not going to see a whole lot. And Mammoth Cave is... Uh, it's pretty amazing, and they have many of the tunnels and the great rooms lit so that you can go on these tours, and they took us to one of the great rooms, and there was a little platform that you could walk out on and look at the stalactites and the stalagmites and listen to the, the dripping on the inside of the, can, can, uh, the cave, and you could feel the cool air pressing in on you, and, and our guide said, okay, everybody grab on to the railing. So I want to show you what darkness is like. So everybody grabbed on to the railing. And he turned out the lights. And literally, folks, I had my hand right here. And I could not see it. That's dark. And then to give you an idea of what it means to chase darkness away, he lit a match. And he had a candle. And that candle didn't fill the room with light, but it certainly chased a whole bunch of it away. And there we saw the rest of our group. We you know, were all hanging onto the railing, and you could begin to make out the faces of the other people. Isaiah says, when Jesus arrives, the people will see this great light. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. God's love and his power will have the final victory. They will, he will chase away all the darkness that we face. Paul describes this gift that God gives us in Jesus. He, he describes it this way to his protege, Titus. He says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, 
the appearance of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Paul reminds Titus of the message of hope that they have. They have this story about God who was willing to enter this messy trouble and turmoil of all human emotion and behavior that that God desired to come here and live among liars and thieves and adulterers and greedy gluttons. And he entered all of this to help us find a better way. He entered all of this to help us find our way back to him. In, in a word, Paul describes Jesus as God's grace. When God appeared in his kindness, in his love for us, he saved us. Not by anything that we can do on our own to earn it, but by his sheer grace we are saved through faith in Jesus not because of righteous things that we might do or might have done, but purely by God's mercy. It's undeserved, unmerited grace. And you might say, well, you know, Pastor Dave, I'm, I'm a good person. And I'd say, you might do nice things. You might have a nice disposition. But you can't good your way into God's salvation. The truth is that we're all sinners who have fallen short of God's standard. And on our own selfish, prideful, destructive, rebellious, and unforgiving ways, we kind of like to do it our own way. And God knows that. And that's why we have Jesus, so that we could have a restored relationship with him. The gift of Jesus is God's remedy for our brokenness through Jesus we can be forgiven. This one that we celebrate tonight, Jesus, God come to earth to live among us, to be our savior and redeem us. He came as a baby, humble and meek, born in a stable in this little town of Bethlehem. God's not aloft or aloof to our circumstances. He cares enough. To come here. And I think we just need to pause and to reflect and to stare at that gift for a while. Have you ever received a gift that you just had to stare at in unbelief for a while? Because you just you, you just couldn't believe it? A gift that Maybe it takes you totally by surprise and maybe even takes your breath away. It's totally unexpected. And when, when, you, when you receive the gift, you don't know if you should shout for joy or cry. Or maybe it's a combination of both. This past Monday, a few of us had the opportunity to go build a wheelchair ramp for a guy who recently diagnosed with cancer that's going to confine him to a wheelchair. 
And he is a very generous, giving person. He lives in a motorhome on his property because he's allowing extended family to, to live in his house. And he's perfectly happy with his accommodations. But with this new diagnosis, there's really no way for him to get down the steps to the ground out of his motorhome. Well, he hired a crew to come build him a ramp, gave them some money, and they ran off with it. And he cried out for help. I'm going to be stuck here. And a few of us were able to go and, and build this ramp with a, a little landing right outside his front door. And 28 feet of, of ramp that, that goes down to another landing and then turns and comes back around so that he can get down. Yeah, a few of us had the privilege of doing that, but it's really an effort of the whole church. At the end of the day, <clears throat> I said, do you want to see what it looks like? I think in his mind, what he had built it up to look like was something that would be more like a slide. Like, I'm going to open the door, <laughs> I'm going to get in my wheelchair, and here we go. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of those gifts he didn't know if he should shout for joy or if he should cry. And he did both. And before we left, he said, can you, can you help me? I, I, I need to get outside. I need, I need to see it. I need to sit on it. So we helped him from his bed into his wheelchair and, and we got him down and, and he, he sat in his wheelchair on the little platform that we had built right, out, right outside his front door. And he just had this big, happy grin on his face. I can't believe it. It started to rain and we said, hey, do we, can we help you get back inside? And he said, no, no. I just need to sit here and stare at this for a long time. I just can't believe it. This is one of those gifts. God's love come down to earth so that our sins can be forgiven. Sometimes I think we hear the story so often that maybe we're the ones who are just caught up in our cell phones or something else that's going on in life and the speed at which life goes is terribly fast. And it's easy for us to miss it. And this gift of God that's totally undeserved on our part is one where we need to pause and reflect on and absorb it and take it all in. Uh, as a pastor, I have the opportunity to talk to lots of people about life. 
Sometimes it's celebrate, celebrative and, and joyous and there's praises and things to be excited about. A lot of times, though, it's, it's about struggle. It's about pain. It's about stuff going on in life that's just troubling. I get to hear stories of heartache and confusion and I, Pastor, I just don't know what to do or how to think about this. I don't know if God would forgive me. You don't know exactly what I've done. I, I, don't, I don't think God would forgive me for that. The good news is he already has. He already has. And he wants us to step into that forgiveness and confess with our mouth to repent and to turn around and move in his direction. And I, I try and sometimes talk about these situations as, you know what, the brokenness of humanity, the sin that has, has riddled who we are, we're just out of tune with God. And Jesus is the one that God sends to help tune us up. That our lives don't have to be in discord and dissonance with our creator Jesus can do that transforming work in our lives and we can come back in tune I don't know maybe it sounds too good to be true all, all I know to do as, as a pastor in this particular moment, actually in, in lots of moments. All I know to do is to point you in the direction of the manger where the truth is found and tell you that God loves you enough to enter the mess of, of your world. He's not afraid of anybody's mess. And I get to this point in, in the message at Christmas Eve and I say the, the same thing every year. Once in a while, I get asked the question, do you really believe all of this? And the answer is yes, absolutely. In fact, I'm, I'm really staking my whole life on it. I believe God is real. I believe he speaks to us and communicates with us, I've experienced his grace and mercy and forgiveness in my own life, and I've been able to forgive others and to let go of some hate in my life that I never thought I would be able to let go of. When Jesus walked his earth, walked this earth, he would, he would walk around and people would ask him lots of questions, and one of his, one of his typical responses was simply, hey, come and see. What's your ministry all? What are you all about, Jesus? And he would say, well, come and see. Come and follow me for a while and actually see what it's all about. And that's the simple invitation at Christmas time is if you have questions, ask him. Come and see. Take steps towards the manger. Ask all of your questions. This baby that we celebrate at Christmas, it's the, it's the perfect image of God's love and grace and the sign for us that he is willing to come in, hum, in humility to us as a servant to walk the face of this broken earth so that we can be forgiven. 
Maybe you want to meet this Jesus. I'd be thrilled to introduce him to you. I'm going to have the worship team come back, and we have a couple more songs to sing, and we're going to close in a moment by lighting a candle and turning the lights down, and this place will just glow. And as we do that, think about the words of Isaiah, that even though the people walked in darkness, they have seen a great light. My prayer would be that you would approach the manger and you would find him. My prayer is that you would find this church to be an open place to ask your questions without anybody judging you, that this would be a warm and welcoming, hospitable place for you to explore what it might mean to come and see and come and follow our Savior, Jesus Christ.